let's do a little recap. We've already journeyed in the story so far. We've experienced the Jewish family moving to Moab from Israel because of the famine they found themselves in. And then, boom, tragedy strikes on the family. The husband dies first. And then the two sons who had married Moabite women, they die as well. So the mother, Naomi, is left on her own as a widow who had lost her sons. And she decides to return back, and together with her is one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, after which the book is named. Earlier on, the story finished on a little bit of a cliffhanger. It's almost like you're watching Netflix and you're binging, trying to find out what's happening next, where this is where we find ourselves in. And somehow there must have been some frustration on, in, in Ruth's heart. Somebody trying to capture this. Imagine her writing to the Agony Aunt page in the local newspaper in Bethlehem. And it could have sounded something like this. Dear Abigail, or Deidre, My widowed daughter-in-law has daily contact with an older man who shows concern about her and respect for her. In fact, from the moment he saw her, he was deeply interested and has treated her like a princess. But fast forward two months and he still has not said one word to take their relationships to the next level. She likes him, but, she's not getting an in, but he's not getting any younger. How do we get to ignite his inertia, to light his lethargy, to cancel his coma? Signed, befuddled in Bethlehem. Certainly this is how Naomi could have been feeling, thinking, it seems like something could be developing here, but nothing's quite happening yet. What you see here in chapter 3 is some beautiful tips for relationships. And not just romantic relationships. I mean, these tips could really apply to a marriage or a friendship at wide. And the first thing that really you're struck by is the sense of responsiveness, the way Ruth considers recommendations. Considering recommendations is... You're kidding me. How many times? Well, we're picking up the story again. You remember that an Israelite family had moved to Moab because of the famine that they found themselves in. And then, boom, tragedy strikes the family. The father dies. And then the two sons, who had married Moabite women, they die as well. So the mother, Naomi, is left on her own as a widow without two sons. And she returns back to her hometown. And the one that accompanies her is one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, after which the book is named. How are they going to go about life? How are they going to solve some of the challenges that are there? What's going to happen to their relationships? Well, it feels like we're watching a Netflix series and it, we're binging on it and we're trying to find out what the next thing is happening. And really, it seems like there's a man on the scene who could be a good match for Ruth. His name is Boaz. But nothing's quite happening. Somebody imagine what it would have been like if Naomi would have been writing the local newspaper in the Agony Aunt section. Dear Abigail, or Deidre, my widowed daughter-in-law has daily contact with an older man who shows concern about her and respect for her. 
In fact, from the moment he saw her, he was deeply interested and treated her like a princess. But fast forward two months, and he still has not said one word to her to take the relationship to the next level. She likes him, but he's not getting any younger. How do we get to ignite his inertia, to light his lethargy, to cancel his coma? Signed, befuddled in Bethlehem. Well, certainly you're asking this question, what's going to be happening? Is this going to be a relationship? And something is beginning to happen. And what you see in chapter 3 are some incredibly brilliant principles about human relationships, healthy human relationships. And it doesn't apply just in the context of romantic relationships. They are also very helpful to relationships and friendships at large. And the first thing that really strikes you is the way Ruth considers recommendations. And that's an important part of having healthy relationships, being willing to consider recommendations. Naomi is very supportive of Ruth. And the way she does it, it's so selfless. Naomi has no other agenda but to establish a good security and fulfillment for Ruth. This has nothing to do with Naomi thinking she knows best. She simply wants Ruth to do well and to experience a fullness of life. And while Naomi is very selfless and very willing to help Ruth along, Ruth is so teachable. She's so humble. The temptation for Ruth is to say, I know best. Don't we all do that? Particularly when it comes to relationships, we want to say, I know what's best for me. She could have said to Naomi, don't interfere with me. Don't meddle, your typical mother-in-law. She could have said, I'm a free woman and I'd like to do what I want to do. She didn't say any of those things. She didn't just want to make her own choices. She realized that she was in a culture that wasn't her own. And she realized that Naomi was far more knowledgeable than her in terms of the local customs. And she would have been brilliant at trying to teach her. Everything in this relationship is built on these two things, humility and trust. Humility on Ruth's part, willing to listen to advice, and trust on Ruth's part that actually Naomi doesn't want to control and manipulate her, but wants the very best for her. And there you have a Ruth that is willing to listen. Now, don't misread. This is not your typical mother-in-law or your mother trying to meddle and trying to set you up and trying to push you. We all know what that's like. and Probably most of the time, it's all well-motivated. This is a lot deeper than that. This is a story of deep relationships based on being teachable because you're humble and because you're trusting. And that would have been the secret Ruth really knew that Naomi was wiser than she was and she was willing to listen and she was really ready to take on board the advice that Naomi had for her. Let me try to encourage us. We're living in a time of physical disconnection, but I, I, I'm, I'm very fearful that we're not just disconnecting physically, but we're disconnecting relationally from each other. And the danger that I've seen in a lot of people who ended up very hurt in their life 
is they made wrong decisions because they disconnected themselves. Let me be honest and ask you the question, who is the Naomi-like person in your life? Who is the person that you respect and trust and will be willing to listen to? You need to have either one or a few people in your life that are close, that are godly, that are wise, they don't try to control you, they don't try to manipulate you, there's nothing in it for them apart from your own well-being and you need to be connected. In a time like this, we need to be teachable, we need to have a heart in which we're receiving wisdom from people that might know more about things than we do and it's so important not to isolate ourselves. Almost every single person has made a mess in their relationships. There's been somebody who decided to isolate themselves from, from, from everyone because they wanted to do what they wanted to do and they ended up being hurt. Ruth didn't do that. She was willing to consider recommendations. The second thing that's really important in relationship is the whole idea of choosing respect. And both from Ruth and Boaz, you have two people who choose respect. Two people who choose to respect each other's sexual boundaries, each other's space. And neither of them is trying to take advantage in order to have a selfish fulfillment. I love that there's no manipulation that goes on between the two. I mean, Ruth could have manipulated Boaz. She could have taken advantage of the fact that he uh, probably would have been tired at that time and he probably would have had something to drink and he probably was an older guy who would have loved the attention of a younger woman. But she doesn't take advantage of him. She respects the advice that Naomi is giving her, which is very clean and very pure. And she dresses in a particular way and she puts on the perfume, but it's not because she wants to seduce him, but it's because she wants to look attractive and also she's communicating that she is over her mourning. So there would have been a coded language that would have said to Boaz, this lady is ready to date again, it's ready to get married again. And Boaz, on the other hand, I just love the way he respects Ruth's boundaries. He praises her character. He says, you're a woman who's got such a good reputation in our local community. He is so humble and it's almost funny that he realizes that he is punching above his weight because he's saying, you could have gone for anyone according to the Levereth law. You could have, you were free to choose anyone who you wanted to marry. You could have chosen somebody younger, better looking or even richer than me. And yet you chose me. He's humbled by it. And he receives her attention with, with a sense of humility and he respects her boundaries. You see, Boaz could have taken advantage of Ruth because in so many ways he would have been her superior. And he could have just used the fact that he was richer than her and older than her and taken advantage of her. But he doesn't do that. Instead, you see him having that attitude of real attention and respect for her. And as part of that, Boaz is very honest about his rights. Now there is some business going on here and Ruth, when she gets the advice from Naomi, she realizes that he would have been the second in line kinsman redeemer. 
there was a, a rule in Israel in which, and it's written in Leviticus 25, in which somebody in the family who lost a husband, a woman, if a woman lost her husband, somebody else in the family, another man in the family, had to take the responsibility to marry her and look after her and after the children. And partly was to do with securing uh, support for her, but also securing the, the wealth of the family that would remain within the family. Certainly that would have been the law. And Boaz realizes, and he knows, he is not the first in line to be the kinsman redeemer. He could have lied, he could have manipulated her, he could have taken advantage of her, but he's not. He's very honest and he says, I am not the first in line, but I will talk to the guy who's first in line and we will do things in the right way. I love Boaz's honesty. And I love the fact that both of them are discreet, but they're not deceitful. Nothing that they do is impure, yet at the same time they're not giving room for any rumours that would have been unhelpful. These two people make the choice to not take advantage of one another in order to satisfy their selfish gratification, but instead they choose to respect each other's sexual boundaries. This is so important. In a sex-saturated culture like ours, where every day all of us are probably facing those kind of sexual pressures that are coming to us from different angles. Maybe this is a timely reminder for somebody who's listening to this. Maybe somebody at work has started paying attention to you way more than they should, while stuff at home is not great in your marriage. Choose purity. Purity pays off in the long run. Maybe you're somebody who is not married and again you could get involved in a relationship and you know as you come to church, as, as, as you listen to God's word, you kind of know that that's not the kind of relationship you should be getting involved in. But then everybody else is in a relationship amongst your friends and peers and you feel like you're the one that looks the odd one out. And you feel tempted. Don't do it. Choose purity. Choose to respect boundaries. It pays off in the long run. And you can see a wonderful relationship being established here between Ruth and Boaz. And the foundation is that. It's a foundation of respecting one another's sexual boundaries and not taking advantage. That's always a healthy foundation to build a relationships and build a marriage on and build a legacy. And even in their case, an unbelievable spiritual legacy that is affecting generations to come. Choose respect. But also the last thing that really strikes me here is the willingness to embrace responsibility. Ruth is embracing responsibility when she listens and she prepares herself following the rigmarole that Naomi is giving her. She could have again said, you know what, I'm going to do it some other time. I'm not in the mood right now. I'm not really sure what my heart is saying. I'm not really sure about going ahead with this. She goes ahead with this and she takes responsibility for really connecting and going and seeing Boaz. Listen, the reality is everything that she does, I mean, it's, it's, although this is happening in a different context many centuries ago, it would have been still a little bit odd in, in our day and time because really everything that she does is kind of a no-no. First of all, she's a woman. She should have never approached a man. Secondly, she is a Moabite, he's an Israelite, she should have never done that. Thirdly, she is younger, he's an older man, she should have shown respect to him. 
and fourthly, she's poorer, he's richer. So in every possible way, she should have not been the one to make the first move and take the initiative. And she could have argued that with Naomi and she could have said, you know what, I'm going to choose passivity. I'm just going to sit back and let it happen. Or as we do it in our sort of Christian environment, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to let God in his sovereignty sort it out. She didn't do that. She embraced responsibility. And Boaz, and this is going to get developed in the next message and in the next uh, uh, chapter that we're going to look at, he as well took responsibility. Boaz could have used her. You know, he could have lied to her. He could have just basically taken advantage of her. She was, because of the things that I've just said earlier on, she was a woman, she was poorer, she was younger. Um, she was a Moabite. He could have just taken advantage with her, of her. And because he was a powerful man, older man, he probably would have not had a problem in the local community. I mean, some people might have raised some eyebrows, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. He doesn't do that. He takes responsibility. In another wise, he's not the guy that goes for the one-night stand, taking advantage of a woman, stringing her along, promising to marry her, but never really getting to do it. Boaz is not that kind of a guy. He is not that kind of a guy. He's a guy who also, like Ruth, embraces responsibility. And part of his responsibility is to talk to the first-in-line kinsman redeemer and to see if he would be willing to forgo his right to redeem Ruth and to let him marry this woman. And that would have involved a negotiation. That would have involved him going public. That would have been a little bit of a faff really trying to sort that out. It's the bureaucracy of the time, if you want. But he's willing to go through everything and probably having to pay in order to marry this lady. That is responsibility in both of them, not just one of them. And I love that. And again, this is so important for relationships that both people in a relationship take responsibility for the relationship. And they're willing to put things in and not just take things out. And being willing to do the hard work. Being willing to do the homework. Ruth is willing to do the cleaning and dressing up and makeup and whatever else she did. She could have just said, oh, if he likes me, he likes me the way I am. No, no, no. She's going through with the advice that she received from Naomi. And again, Boaz could have said, oh, let it be. We don't even need to go through all of this. All it matters is that I sleep with her and I just enjoy having a wonderful younger woman next to me. N no. He's willing to put it in. And in a good, healthy relationship, both people work at it. I'm encouraging in your friendships. I'm encouraging in your relationships in the church. You know, put it in. Don't just expect to get things out of it. Be willing to put things in. And, 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 and be willing to actually put the hard work in. Relationships are built on phone calls and messages and being together and talking together and encouraging one another and sharing together and being vulnerable and being open. Otherwise, it just won't happen and it won't go deep. Responsibility is part of it. I keep saying, I think we feel more together as a church if we show up. You know, I know I keep saying it. Zoom is the only thing that we've got at the moment. You've got nothing. So if you're not showing up, you've got no connection with the wider church, with the rest of the people. Put the effort in. It will make a difference. It will enhance the relationships. It will make them stronger and deeper. And that's what you see in the life of Ruth and Boaz. I love the way these two are setting a very healthy foundation for their 
relationship and their future marriage. I love the way they, they're teachable and they're willing to listen to recommendations. I love the way they're respecting each other's sexual boundaries and they're willing to do what is right before God instead of fulfilling their selfish desires. I love the way they're willing to take responsibility in these relationships and work for it and work hard for it. It's a wonderful, wonderful base upon which you can build on. This is not just a story. This is part of God's plan for our lives. Relationships are so significant. And that's why relationships come under attack so very often. Because relationships talk about the Trinity. God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit together. And every single time Satan is attacking those relationships, it's almost as if he's insulting God and trying to destroy what God is trying to do. The relationship between people, in marriages, in friendships, in local communities. And we live in a world that is so incredibly fragmented and how we need strong relationships in all those aspects, whether it's in the homes, in the workplaces, in the wider community. This is what God can do through his spirit in our lives. And my encouragement for us is to be like Ruth and Boaz, as the Spirit of God indwells us and enables us to be people who listen to good advice and are not just individualistic and secluded and isolated. We are people who are also very respectful of God's pattern for sexual relationships within the framework of the commitment of a marriage between a man and a woman. We are also people who are willing to put in the hard work and be responsible in order to develop those relationships. May God reignite great relationships. May God reignite love and commitment and sacrifice and humility in our marriages in the church. May God reignite a sense of sacrificial servant love in our local communities so that something beautiful could be birthed right in the midst of this pandemic. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that in here we see a picture of the kind of relationships you want to build in our lives. We recognize we're frail and that we fail. And yet thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your wonderful redemptive work. You are the master redeemer who turns broken things into fixed things. And I pray that you will continue to bless us with relationships that are healthy, strong, loving, selfless, respectful. And I pray for the marriages in our church that they will be enhanced. I pray for the working relationships within the teams at work, that those who are, are your children will stand out and have an incredible influence on the whole of the team that they work as part of. We pray that in our local community as we're scattered, we will be those who are peacemakers, servants resembling Jesus, bearing good news, sharing hope and bringing light into this world. Amen.